Hello, this is Maurice Jackson. Before we present today's interview, I'd like to remind our listening audience that I'm a licensed broker to sell precious metals through Miles Franklin, where we have unlimited options to expand your precious metals portfolio. Stay tuned to the end of our interview for contact details, and I look forward to the opportunity to speak with you. Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we deliver mining insights and bullion sales in the form of physical delivery, offshore depositories, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Joining us for a conversation is Bob Moriarty, the founder of 321Gold and 321Energy.com. Mr. Moriarty, welcome to the show. Oh, I just hate it when you say Mr. Moriarty. I thought we talked about that. (laughs) We have. I'm sorry, I have to give respect where respect is due, and I know you hate it when I call you sir as well. Oh, yes. Well, glad to have you back on the program, and long overdue, I might add, sir. Uh, We have a number of topics to address, so let's get right to it. Earlier this week, you wrote a musing entitled, We Should Let the Banks Burn Down. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're trying to make some sense of the dire global financial situation and the direct implications it will have on you and your family, this is a must-read. You're a big thinker, and you have a unique ability to condense a complicated subject into an easy, concise reading. And you're also very strategic, so I know there's a method to your genius. What compelled you to write this musing, and why write now? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know there's a method to the madness, and there's so much content in what you wrote. Uh, it, you could really take that narrative into 18 different subjects, really. So, uh, uh, it, Yeah, you really could. And, and quite bluntly, something happened. I have no idea what it was. And I started thinking about the banks, and I started thinking about 2008. We had a chance to fix the system in 2008, but we needed to let AIG collapse, we needed to let the banks collapse, and we needed to start all over. Now, where this idea came from, that you have to uh, keep the, the crooked banks going, it is just beyond me. Let, let me give you an example, and I can't give you the exact numbers, but uh, Bank of America was going to buy Merrill Lynch, and Merrill Lynch handed out something like $2 billion in year-end bonuses on the 12th of December, 2008. And on the 15th of December, 2008, they came out and announced $15 billion in losses. It was a total shock to everybody. Now, think about that for a minute. The whole concept of giving people bonuses is for doing good work. Mm-hmm. Why would you give bonuses to people who are losing money hand over fist? Uh, It's beyond me, and and we have let AIG steal, we've let Soros steal, we've let Warren Buffett steal, and and that's all it is, okay? Mainstream, the average guy, is getting none of the benefit, but they have to pay all the taxes. Now, the 20 Democrats are agreed on only one thing— and that is the student debt should be forgiven to, I think, $50,000. But the whole student debt thing is corrupt. The banks literally bribed Congress, and they got this law passed that said you can't discharge uh, college loans. So as a result, the colleges said... Gee whiz, we can charge anything you want. And the bank said, we can give loans to everybody. It doesn't make any difference whether they're credit worthy or not, because we've got them in handcuffs for the rest of their life. Now, the number of people over 60 who are still paying college debts has doubled in 10 years. 
And it, it, it's a crime. It's that simple. And that's because also they co-signed either for a grandchild or they went back and had to go back to work, essentially. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, I find it disheartening that uh, to get this information and still have a discussion about it, uh, that you have to find it in alternative media, where mainstream media no, glosses over it. It's truly frustrating. No, no. That's a good thing. It's well, wonderful. <laughs> you think mainstream media told the truth 10 or 20 or 30 years ago? They were liars. They lied about everything. I mean, I look at CNN and CNBC and Fox and think, Jesus, does anybody believe their bullshit anymore? It's bullshit. Any yes. person with a computer has access to far more information now. And I'm not going to say the, the web is a cornucopia of wisdom because it's not. There's a lot of goofs posted on the web, but you certainly get access to a lot of information. I mean, the number of people who read my articles is really quite amazing. And it's free, okay? Mm -hmm. It doesn't cost me but a couple hours to write it. And a person can sit down in 20 minutes and read something and get a different point of view. And that doesn't mean they have to agree with me. I could be dead wrong. But the fact is, I've got a point of view and I've got access to the web and tens of thousands of people read it. And not to mention, it's not just your thoughts and opinions. You're actually providing hyperlinks to take us directly to the source so we can see it for ourselves and make an objective uh, decision here. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, here's what's really funny. And, and you know, if you'll notice, you just pointed out something that I hadn't thought about for a while. There are a lot of people who write articles and they talk about it as if, they're quoting facts when in fact what they're doing is expressing opinions mm -hmm. but they don't buttress their opinion with facts and, and it's so easy to put in a hyperlink so when I talk about what the cost of student loans is I can give you the link and the person can go and they can verify that I'm just not blowing smoke that, that I've got good, accurate numbers, and I get the best information that I can and put that in. It's important that articles contain uh, two things in equal proportion. One is facts, and the other is logic. And, and a lot of people are talking about opinion as if it's factual, which isn't necessarily true, and no logic whatsoever. I, I went through two or three emails with a guy that's last week who was arguing that silver was suppressed from $4 an ounce to 50 <laughs> I wrote him back and I said, you know, I don't know how you did on your logic course, but I know you failed the math course. That's the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard. That's one of the greatest booms in, in commodity history. And this guy's running around saying, no, 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 silver is suppressed. And I read another piece today where somebody was saying that the central banks are losing control over the price of gold. And I thought, God, doesn't this guy get it? Central banks have been buyers of gold since 2010. Now, how have they lost control of the price of gold if they're buyers? It's crazy. And, and that is factual information. And by the way, one more caveat to that discussion as well is you're actually a strong advocate for buying gold. So it's not that you're anti, I'm sorry, silver, silver at this moment. So it's not that you're taking a position that, uh, you know, you shouldn't purchase silver. Uh, and we'll get into that later. Uh, I'd like, I like to address some additional talking points if we may, though. Uh, beginning with no. your stance on no. letting the banks no. burn. No. Yes. No. We need to keep it to one topic and not discuss anything else whatsoever. We need to think as narrowly as possible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, you, on your stance on letting the banks burn down, 
Bankers, yeah. Keynesians, and advocates for big government, they would claim that the banks did what they had to do to save us. What would you say to that? I know the banks did what they had to do to save them. Okay. Uh-huh. Don't confuse them with us. Okay. <laughs> uh, here's what they've done they have loaded the world with something like $100 trillion in debt. And if you ain't in the one tenth of one percent, you didn't get any benefit out of it whatsoever. You know, I'll just flat tell you, it's true where I live, it's true in the United States, the average person is far worse off today than they were in 1970, and they're worse off than they were in 2008. And the fact of the matter is, and you, you picked up on a very important point, all debts get paid. So when the United States government uh, goes from, say, $8 trillion in debt to $20 trillion in debt and has $200 trillion in unfunded liabilities, who the hell do you think is going to pay that? You're either going to pay it as a taxpayer or you're going to pay it as a beneficiary of Social Security or Medicare or Medicaid. But somebody's got to pay it, and it damn sure ain't those assholes in the bank. Amen to that, sir. You know, you also reference a, a gentleman we all know. His name is Joe Numnuts. Now, he's a fictional character, but we all seem to know him. Who is Joe Numnuts, and what are the odds that he will be voting for a Democratic nominee? Now, now that, uh, who said he was fictional? <laughs> in boot camp with him in 1964. Joe Numbnuts is just as real a person as you'll ever meet. And, yeah, he, he's a Democrat. And, and let's, let's, how does that bring the, and, and I reference him because uh, student loans. He, he's one of the individuals that acquires these student loans. He's a lifelong student, and he feels that you and I should pay for his student debts. Uh, and that's, so I, I wanted to kind of take the conversation there. Can you expand on that for us? Well, Joe Numbnuts is stupid, but he's not totally ignorant, okay? He's a very skilled underwater basket weaver. And when he finally had to go out and go to work, he realized that there was no demand for underwater basket weavers. So the $83,000 that he owed in student debt, he just said, oops, I can't pay. And now he's, he's listening to these goofballs in the Democratic Party, and there's only one of them that's got any sense whatsoever. And, and they're saying, we're going to forgive the debt. And he said, I don't care. I, I ain't going to pay it anyway. Hmm. I'll let my mom and dad and uncle and neighbors, I'll let them pay it. Joe Dumbnuts, he, he's not all that dumb. You know, I don't know if we addressed this earlier, but uh, student debt, how does that compare with other debt uh, for the United States right now? Oh, well. That's 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 one of those softball questions. You know damn well <laughs> it's bigger than all credit card debt, and it's bigger than all automobile loans. The student debt is giant debt, and if we transfer, you know, half of it, eight hundred billion dollars, to the backs of the taxpayers, you know, that would go from increasing. Uh, over a tree in a year to increasing two tree in a year. Uh, here's what's really funny, and when I write, none of my stuff is complicated. These are all things that anybody who could think can see for themselves. Those those debts are not going to get paid, and then you have to say what's going to happen. And and the really funny thing is, did did I do you remember what I said about voting to change things? said don't bother thinking your vote makes a difference oh difference because google and the fbi mm-hmm. are now in charge of picking the president and that's that's a real switch it certainly is and, and that's part of the discussion we've had in the past and and that's involving the deep state is that correct oh yes and that, that's that's so spooky it's spooky because that should be the number one topic in the United States. Who the hell appointed the FBI and the DOJ in charge of picking president? Now, the very best analogy to what's going on today is uh, Gibbons' book. 
I think there were like 16 or 23 volumes or something like that, Decline and Fall of, of the Roman Empire. Now, uh, uh, do you consider yourself a reasonably educated person? I would like to consider myself in that category. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give you a question. It's not a trick question. If you can answer it, fine. If you can't answer it, I can understand that. Name one Roman emperor from the year 100 until the collapse of the Roman Empire. Any of them. That I can't do. You know why? No, sir. Because they were nobodies. They were Bidens. They were Bush. They were Trumps. They were Clinton. They weren't the best of the best. They were a bunch of bozos. Great point. That's what you get at the end of empire. And anybody who doesn't see that we're at the end of empire needs to spend 12 bucks and go read my book. And if you remember, I, I wrote the book in January. It was published in mid-February. And I predicted we were going to have the, the crash uh, and the end of the empire and the great reset this year. And I'm going to tell you, I, I think I nailed it. And the book that uh, you're referencing, just for our audience members, earlier this year, Bob published the number one selling book on Amazon under commodities trading entitled Basic Investing in Resource Stocks, which you may find on our education tab on Proven and Probable. Now, let's discuss the Great Reset. What is the Great Reset? Well, uh, I, I read a book about Jubilee. Okay, and that's what was the concept in ancient time that every 50 years or so you reset your financial system. Now, that that's the fact, and let's go into the logic. When you issue money, when, when you make loans, you're actually creating money. Do you understand that? Yes, okay, sir, that's I do. A, yes. Okay. How, how could you do that as an individual? And I'm going to say, I want you to take yourself back 10 or 15 years. When you walked into a store and you paid for something with a check, what had you just done? When I paid for it with a check, not with actual cash, correct? Correct. What's the difference between a check and a cash? Well, they're both promises to pay um, because the word note is on, of course, uh, currency. Um, they're money. Okay, it's a hard concept, but it's a true concept. All money is created by loaning it into existence. And the proof is that you could write a check. Of course, nobody writes checks anymore, but you could write a check. And that check, you've taken a piece of paper and you've turned it into money. Now, obviously, it is promised to pay, and it will be deducted from your bank account. But when banks uh, loan money into existence, they charge interest, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so let's take all the banks in the world, and, and they create a trillion dollars in one year, and they charge 5%. Now, if we only look at that one year, how much total money is there? One trillion. And, I, and I, I see where you're going with this. This is a great point. Yes. Yeah. How much debt is there? Well, the debt is the interest rate that, uh, that you just referenced there. No. You created the money by loaning it into, into existence. So the data is one trillion plus the interest rate five trillion. Okay, a absolutely correct. Yes, this okay. is a this is a point. Uh, basically, the uh, case against the Fed. Am I correct? Yeah, Mary Rockford. Yeah, and, and the really interesting thing there is that nobody thinks about this. Uh, Quentin and I spent a lot of time talking about it here recently when I was in Japan. There is always more debt than there is money. Mm-hmm. Now, if the debt continues to increase and increase and increase and increase, how does it get paid? Well, it doesn't. We just keep we keep Thank expanding you. the debt. No, 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 you're almost there. It doesn't get paid. So what happens? 
Well, you have to have a reset. Exactly. Okay. Now, I'm not saying there has to be a reset because I believe in Judaism and I believe in the Jubilee and I, I feel sorry for the poor debtors. There has to be a reset because mathematically there has to be some way of paying it off. And mm -hmm. one of the ways to pay it off is to, to write it off. Now, that's going to happen. And uh, the book that I was reading is by Michael Hudson. And he pointed out that there's two kinds of loans, uh, two kinds of debt. There is the debt for something productive, and then there is the debt for personal reasons. Now, if I go out and need to borrow $50 million to start a factory to make widgets, that's a productive debt, mm -hmm. and interest is appropriate. But if I want to go out and have a nice vacation, okay, that's entirely voluntary, and I personally would argue you should never go on vacation without paying for it directly. I mean, the idea of borrowing money to go on vacation, that's, that's crazy. But people do it because yes. they're encouraged to. And, and the banks encourage it, but the banks say, well, gee, you can't let us go under because where are you going to be then? So the banks are saying what you need to do is let us survive and you should be our slaves and i think that's a bad idea and i think that a lot of the stuff that's going on in the united states today the anger goes back to people making less and less and less and working harder and harder and harder and basically they're debt slaves and while they may have voluntarily put handcuffs on uh they look around and say, you know, I couldn't afford all that shit I've been buying. You know, when I look at uh, rush hour traffic and I listen to someone speak to me, they say they love their job. And I ask them, why don't you show up two hours early and stay two hours late and not get compensated for it? And the reason you have, in my opinion, rush hour traffic is what you just alluded to. You're a slave. You must go to work. And the moment you get an opportunity to leave, everyone rushes to get out. So they don't really necessarily love what they're doing. They're slaves, and they have to go to work to pay for that debt that you're referring to. Yeah. How much longer can this play out? Mm, maybe another month or two. That's short, huh? Well, here, here's what's funny, and, and we've been talking about this for months, where I said that we were going to have high in the stock market <coughs> in August, and then we were going to go into a crash scenario in September, October. If you look around at China, if you look at India and Pakistan, if you look China and the South China Sea, uh, if you look at Korea and Japan, you look at the Middle East, uh, the, the debt bomb is blowing up constantly and everywhere, and there are so many black swans that you can't see the sky anymore. It's happening right now, and I think that there's going to be a liquidity issue and panic in September, October. I mean, the, the stock market right now, it, it's nothing but, it's supported by nothing but hot air. Yeah, and all the uh, comments that you're referring to, the, the uh, what you foresaw, just for our audience members, that wasn't in the interview. Bob and I, we correspond on a weekly basis, and yes, you've been spot on every time that's why i was sharing in the earlier it's been too long overdue we need to get you back on the program uh we've addressed the challenge what are some solutions well uh, strange enough and that was in the article that i wrote about the banks we need to let the banks go under we need a debt reset we need honest money and we need to start all over what actions have you taken to prepare yourself for a great reset I'm pretty much covered. I accept that in a general total collapse financially, which lots of people see coming, uh, everybody's going to get hurt. Some people will get hurt less than others. 
So I'm not talking about here's what to invest in to make your fortune in the crash. Mm -hmm. I'm saying here's what to invest in if you want to partially survive. Uh, the most important thing, the most important asset anybody ever has is their brain, okay? I, I don't give a damn what happens. I've still got my brain, and I can still use it. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I keep fiscal gold and silver. You could see from what's happened with gold and silver lately, that isn't the end of a rally. That's just the start. Uh, people are going to go into gold and silver and platinum and palladium as as the asset of last resort. The, the, the U.S. government is talking about taking U.S. government debt negative. Hmm. And that's, wow. That's unheard of. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and, and, and do not confuse people in power with people who have sense. I have met and know a lot of people who are very powerful, very rich, and in government, a lot of cases. And, and you would be amazed at how stupid these people are. I, I second that one. And, and Bob, I would have to agree with you 100% regarding this situation, that it will not end well. And I also want to give you uh, kudos here. My family has benefited time and time again from a number of your predictions and speculations. So of the five precious metals, may I ask, what are you buying right now? Uh, the most important thing a person could do is to buy silver, and that's not because it'll go up the most. I think that platinum will go up the most. But uh, to buy silver, because you can buy silver in small quantities. Uh, I saw something on a chat board, and a guy was arguing that uh, you should be buying gold, gold mining stocks because they will go up because they're higher leverage than gold. And, and I thought he didn't understand it. The very first thing that you want to have in a financial crisis is survival. Okay, so having some physical gold and silver handy uh, is a good idea. And the beauty about silver is that you pay for a tank of gas with with a couple of one ounce uh, bars. Uh, you can buy silver without a substantial premium. Uh, it, everybody's got a different idea of how much they need, but the financial system could be locked down mode for six months, and you damn sure want to have access to. Uh, cash money and the best cash money it's gold and silver but uh, if I'm not mistaken isn't silver being manipulated <laughs> I had to throw that in there <laughs> you, know, you know I I've been trying to come up with a list my next book is going to be about financial instruments that I can guarantee are not manipulated and I know it's going to be a bestseller because everybody wants to know something that's not manipulated but it's going to be like a really short book it's going to be like one page and it's <laughs> going to be blank <laughs> and it will be a number one seller because you always tell the truth uh maybe well let me ask you this we we, we touched on gold so you foresee the current price right now at fifteen hundred? Is that the new floor, or is this a head fake? Uh, here's what's crazy. It's it. There's a guy in Australia who puts out charts. He calls it gold charts or us. He, he's a very bright guy. He puts out charts and everything, and he puts out a chart on eight different metals. And the funny thing is, if you go back to 1900 and 1900, 1910, 1920, 1930, all the way through now, uh, gold has gone up more in most of those time frames. Now, there are some time frames, say, from 1980 to 1985, 
where that wouldn't be true because gold actually went down during that time frame. However, the real key is that talking about the price of gold, uh, if gold doubled in value because of the economic situation, shouldn't copper and zinc and lead, shouldn't they double too? Because what you're really talking about there is not the commodity, you're talking about the currency in which it's quoted. Anytime you talk about price, you're talking about two different things. You're talking about gold and you're talking about the value of the dollar. Uh, I, I believe there will be a rush out of currencies, including the dollar, and when that happens, you might as well quote gold in, in, in Zimbabwe dollars, okay? Because the, you can't, okay? Uh, Quentin Henney and I came up with a system 10 years ago and you wouldn't quote gold in dollars anymore, or pounds, or euros. You'd quote it in grams, and that makes infinitely more sense. A gram of gold, it's worth a gram of gold. And whether it's a British gram, or whether it's a French gram, or whether it's a Japanese gram, a gram of gold is worth a gram of gold. Uh, we need to go back to something that works, and what we have now clearly doesn't work. And we need to come up with something better. And a financial system based around gold would mean that politicians can't spend money they don't have. And instead of quoting it in dollars or pounds or yen, quote it in grams. Uh, that's, a, that's a very good point. You know, another source you and I both like is Jake Bernstein's his Daily Sentiment Index. What is that telling you about the gold price? It says it's time for correction. And that's very key for people to understand. So that doesn't mean that you're expecting a crash, but it's just time for a correction. I think sometimes we get over-exuberant. We see the price of gold. Uh, at, at, I just came back actually last week from Vancouver from the Sprott Natural Resource Symposium. And you could certainly feel the energy in the room because the gold price was at a six-year high and now it's $100 even higher now. But when you have a price move that fast, you should expect a correction. That's very responsible. So, so thank you for sharing that. Moving on to junior mining companies, which ones have your attention at the moment? Oh, <laughs> you're going to hate me for this. The, the biggest piece of crap, shit for brains, crooked management, cheap stock, <laughs> under 10 cents. Well, well, that's easy to find. That's about 90% of the uh, uh, issuers out there, huh? Yep. Uh, <laughs> you want the ones run by crooks. Okay, because they're going to go up the most. It, it really appears to me as if we have panic behind the curtains. And since this is just starting, uh, I mean, New Zealand dropped their interest rates half a percent, and they were expected to drop a quarter percent. India dropped their interest rate half a percent and they were expected to drop a quarter percent. I think Taiwan dropped a quarter percent, and they weren't expected to drop at all. This is the rush to the bottom. And the thing to think about gold, silver, platinum, and palladium, it is a little, tiny space. When everybody tries to fit through that door at the same time, it's going to get crowded. And the beauty about uh, gold mining companies, the juniors, is that, hell, you can take a stock that's six cents today and you can make it 60 bucks a share if you want to. And that, that absolutely could happen. Uh, I, I, you know, I'll stick with my prediction that, I, I've got it in writing a number of times. We're going to have a crash this fall. I, I think this is the start of the big one. And we're going to see panic in markets. Well, for a speculator like myself, I, I look forward for times like this because I've been stockpiling. Can I ask you, uh, just throw some names out to you for me? Sure. Let's talk about uh, Novo Resources. Novo is going to surprise everybody. They got the goods. 
Uh, Quentin has absolutely proven there's gold throughout the Pilbara. He's got this giant land position. He's coming up with stuff at Edgina that surprises him. Now, I'm not going to quote grade because I don't know what the grade is, but he has literally had to reinvent the wheel and come up with ways of measuring this alluvial floodplain, and he's done a pretty good job, and, and they're coming up with some amazing stuff. They have figured out how to locate the high grade. I don't know what the grade is. Every assay lab in the world is backed up. It takes two months to get assays now. However, uh, they're coming up with some very interesting stuff uh, to the extent that he has like 400 square miles okay, of ground. Uh, no is going to be a big hit. How, you uh, referenced you were in Japan earlier. How about uh, Irving Resources? Oh, I love, I love Irving. Boy, if you saw the rock that I had, you would be so jealous. You would hate me. Uh, <laughs> well, you but, and I were to, there together two years ago, actually. Yeah, we, we were there, but the rock that we saw two years ago was only worth about $25,000. And Quentin showed me some rock that was worth $50,000. I tell you, I'm jealous right now. <laughs> you better be. Uh, the, the value proposition Irving Resources shared with us because I, I think it's it's had an impressive move, but I don't think it's on everyone's radar. Well, that's that's just fine with me. It's the and same tight, with me. Yes, it, it's the tightest held stock I've ever seen. Ninety percent of the shares are in the hands of the top fifteen shareholders. You couldn't buy a million shares if you wanted to because it's just flat not out there for sale. They have brilliant management. Uh, we we were in and out of the main office, and it was really funny to me because we're all, you know, we're in mud, and then 20 minutes later, we're back in the office tromping through the mud, and I'm thinking, Jesus, I wonder who's going to sweep this up. <laughs> and I what? turned around, and Akiko Levinson, president of the company, marvelous woman, she had a broom. And she was sweeping up behind us. Now, if you ever go to a company and you find a company that the president of the company is willing to do the dirty work, like sweeping the floor, that's the company you want to invest in. And I've talked to her. It's really funny. Uh, Akiko is cheap. Okay. She squeezes every penny. And that's a really wonderful thing. There's two companies operating in Japan. There's Japan Gold and there's uh, Irving. And they have, you know, I, I, I've read the literature on both of them, seen Akiko, seen what uh, Irving has. And one company is spending $400,000 a year on salaries, and the other company is spending $3 million a year on salaries. Now, which would you invest in? Uh, the one with uh, Prudent Capital, which would have to be Irving Resources. Yeah. Well, it, it gets better, okay? While I was there, of course, Newmont uh, has, has put, I think, $6 million into them. And they got the option of putting some more in at higher prices down the road. And they sent some of their top geophysical people from Australia to do a CSAMT survey for Novo for free. Wow. Newmont is so secure in what Irving has that they are literally donating the services of their top people. And I mean, these guys were triple sharp. Now, as a junior, you have to watch your money very carefully. So there's a lot of things, you know, we're going to do this first, and then we'll do this, and then we'll do this. If you're in Newmont or you're a Barrick or, or Gold Corp, uh, you want to put your top technical people in there and do a lot of technical stuff first and then drill. But if you're a junior, you better go out there and drill. 
Sonovo's been drilling, or not Novo, uh, Irving's been drilling. But uh, because of this two-month delay, they haven't gotten their assets back. But I'm going to tell you, the, the technical people that Newmont had were absolutely superb. And they are giving Quentin and Akiko some of the most valuable data that you could ever possibly want. And everybody agrees that Quentin's theory of the gold-rich uh, center is absolutely accurate. And they know somewhere down there they're going to tap into the feeders. You know, for anyone not familiar with the name of Kiko Levinson, please do your research. She is one of the more serial, successful individuals in the natural resource base. Proven pedigree, uh, first class act. I, I, she, she's just amazing. I, you, you hit the nail right on the head. That, that actually describes Kiko. Yeah, and she's great with the broom, too. <laughs> Let's talk about one more company also affiliated with Dr. Quentin Henney, and that is Miramont Resources. Uh, Miramont right now is a work in progress. They had a project in Peru. There were great expectations for the project. There was one rotten uh, drill program and how it was announced, but there was enough sniffs that it was worth putting some more money into the ground. And the second uh, drill program just simply didn't come up with anything of any value. It would be a good project for a major with lots and lots of money that wants a big copper project, but a really dangerous project for a junior. So uh, Quentin has put that on the back burner. The company has $3 million in cash. I know damn well that someday they're going to figure out where they can put that $3 million that will be beneficial to the Miramont shareholders. But today, Miramont's got a uh, enterprise value of about three and a half million, and they got three million in cash. And you know, the the risk is near zero. They got six cents in cash, and the stock's selling for twelve cents. And that's the Spanish term for that is it's called an El Goro Dilo. <laughs> well said. How about the Metallic Group, headed by Greg Johnson? Uh, I like Greg a lot. They were not not Metallica, but uh, Nova Gold was the uh, first company that I wrote about. And there were only, I, I think, four employees or five employees total. But uh, they did great work. Stock went from nine cents a share U.S. to about 20 bucks a share. People made a lot of money if they had sense to sell. Um, Greg moved on. He actually has uh, three companies in his stable now, a copper company, a silver company, and the platinum palladium company. And I, I think that all three companies will do well. But the beauty of it is it gives you the choice of the same management but do I want to invest in silver, or do I want to invest in platinum, or do I want to invest in copper? And all three companies are really solid companies, and I, I think they'll all do well. I, I, I share the same sentiment with you. Speaking of copper, how about Nevada Copper? Ah, They're going to production here uh, Q4 this year. Uh, November. Us, yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. Give us yep. some insights there on Nevada Copper for someone who's not new, uh, someone new to the story, I should say. That's the dumbest story I've ever heard. They're hashed <laughs> up. They have excellent management. They have share structure under control. They're going into production of a commodity that everybody accepts is way too cheap, and you can't give their shares away. Now, that situation is not going to last for long. The stock is absurdly cheap. Uh, I love the management. I love the plan. I, I was actually on that property, I think, three or four years ago. And they were talking about, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And they've done all that. And the really funny thing is, since I was there, uh, all of their plans call for production of X pounds of copper a year. But I know damn well, if they had extra money, they could drill off a lot more copper than they got. But it, 
it's a pure bet on a really uh, highly leveraged copper play. It, if you think copper's ever going to be worth anything, it's a great company to own. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I was on uh, the site visit there a year ago, and I uh, had an opportunity to meet Matt Gilley, CEO, and he has done a remarkable job there. Everything that, uh, every timeline, he, he's uh, superseded that, and uh, the results are just magnificent of what's going to happen here with Nevada Copper. One last company, Aben okay. Resources. Which? Aben Resources. Uh, they had a great drop hole. Stock shoots higher. They released some more drill holes that were only average, and the stock plummeted. But clearly, they're in a good district, uh, good management, money in the bank, and, and I think they'll be fine. It, it's one of those, you know, the, the, the drill is called the truth detector, or the lie detector. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> You know, sometimes you hit and sometimes you don't. I, I think Aubin is going to be a hit. And, uh, and the CEO there is James Pettit, and he's doing a remarkable job as well. And they're also in the Golden Triangle of British Columbia. In closing, Bob, we referenced one of your number one selling books, Basic Investing in Resource Stocks. But you also have another book that is a household favorite in the Jackson family. My nine-year-old twin, Braden, has been reading it now for over a year, which is entitled Nobody Knows Anything. Ladies and gentlemen, you may purchase both of these books on our education tab. Uh, we do not benefit financially from your purchase, but we have benefited financially from the content. And I want to footstop. You owe it to yourself and your family to get a copy. Each member in my family has their own copy. Uh, Bob, is there anything you want to share with us about those books, or have I said enough? Uh, actually, you left one thing out. Uh, how long has your son been reading the book? He's been reading it for one year, sir. <clears throat> okay, you might you might want to sign him up for a speed reading course. Ah, yes, you're you're right because this is the critical age. <laughs> no, uh, if it takes <laughs> a year to write the book, I may have made it a little too complicated. Oh no, he's rerated. I'm sorry. It's been uh, he just he recycles it. He really likes the content. Uh, just to give you a quick uh, example here, uh, we were kind of stuck in some traffic coming home from a weekend trip, and. Uh, he said, Dad, why don't we take a, an exit here and stop being part of the herd? Because that's what Bob Moriarty would say. And lo and behold, we took the exit. And I said, that's pretty smart thinking, son. And uh, we got home right on time as if we hadn't, uh, if we would have stayed on the main highway there. So he employs the uh, uh, contrarian point of view. And his vocabulary is such of that of uh, someone who's read the book. And he's actually doing his very best to employ the strategies. He was asking me yesterday about market capitalization on some companies. And I was like, way to go, son. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, that's uh, uh, strange enough. That, that gives me more satisfaction. Uh, the reviews from, from the last book are really quite incredible. On Amazon USA, there were 30 one five-star ratings out of 31, which is the highest-rated book that I've ever seen. And if you read the reviews, you realize people have gotten a lot out of the book. Uh, but more than anything, I want to encourage young people to learn to think for themselves. This isn't rocket science. This is not difficult. We have access to far more information than we have ever had before in all of history. And if you use that information wisely and with some logic, uh, you can do quite well. I love the junior space. People can succeed and they can take a company from a $6 million market cap to a $60 million market cap with one drill hole. That's where can you do that? Well, he'd love to hear that because, again, he was asking me about market capitalization and the calculation for it yesterday. <laughs> Mark, yeah. All right, sir, before we close, last question. What did I forget to ask? The latest folks use. Three to one gold is going to buy Deutsche Bank. <laughs> <laughs> I, I caught part of that. Could you restate that, please? Uh, Barbara says the latest fake news is three to one gold 
who's going to buy Deutsche Bank. And <laughs> that's absolutely fake news. You couldn't give me Deutsche Bank. I, I could see you buying them for one ounce of gold. <laughs> no, you no, silver, silver, silver. Uh, I'll say silver. Do you understand the basic difference between an asset and a liability? I do, sir. In Deutsche simple terms, Bank, oh, go ahead, yes. Deutsche Bank's a liability. And you certainly don't want a liability. So then I, I can see you walking away from that. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you do see that on the headline news, that would be fake news. <laughs> Bob, for someone that wants to get more information on your work, please share the websites. Uh, 321 Gold and 321 Energy. And all you have to do is put my name in at Amazon, and it'll bring up half a dozen books that I've read or written. And before you make your next bullion purchase, make sure you call me. I'm a licensed representative from Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments, where we provide a number of options to expand your precious metals portfolio from physical delivery, offshore depositories, precious metal IRAs, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. Call me directly at 855-505-1900. That number again is 855-505-1900. Or you may email Maurice at Miles Franklin. Dot com. Finally, please subscribe to ProvenAndProbable.com for mining insights and bullion sales. Bob Moriarty of 321Gold and 321Energy.com. Thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Uh, we need The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.